0: Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's 9 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. This week, all of you who have been trying to market, to get into the digital space, to promote your company in the new age using new age technology, just pull your car over to the side of the road, just find a shady spot and start listening. Those of you who are in studio or say in your office, just turn your computer off and listen. Because I think after many years of speaking to many different people about how to use technology to promote and to market a company, I've often found that it ends up in some big pile of the same people doing the same things. And all of a sudden I've come across a individual and a company that is a total disruptor in this in this area they've come in and instead of in the way I see it posting things, hoping that people will come to them they've got a way of posting things and promoting things where they attract people to interact with them and then go to the brand that they're promoting purchase the brand and then interact it once again so it's a it's a full circle it's not just putting things out there and hoping that some fish will bite and you'll pull some in and it'll be you know, it'll be great. Rather, it's a direct interaction with, with the customer and the client in order to increase sales, to sustain sales, and ultimately to, to add value to both their customer, which is the company selling and the consumer, which is the person buying. So without any further ado, Mark Sharman, welcome to High FM. Thanks, Abby. Thanks for having me. Great. Mark, you're a disruptor. You come in there. You see what's going on and you've turned the whole things on the head. Your company, well, we now talk about a company called um, Active, which is the spin-off from Retroviral. That's right. When you, when you hear the words, you think maybe it's an interesting company, which it is. Take us back to the very beginning. I'm going to warn you, we've only got 50 minutes. That's perfect. So we, we're going to run out of time, but let's start at the very beginning. How did you come up with this concept?
1: So I always wanted to be an actor. And, uh, my folks said to me, oh, that's a terrible decision. Why do you want to be an actor? You know, you can imagine parents are very, uh, conservative when it comes to what their children should study. You should want to be an accountant or you should want to be a doctor or a lawyer. And, um, or well, maybe an actuary. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only word with actor in it that should count actuary. And, um, you know, Ultimately, I ended up studying a marketing degree because I've always loved storytelling, debating, public speaking, that kind of thing. And uh, I went and studied a marketing degree. And then once I'd finished that, then uh, the money that I'd saved up while I was studying, I went and paid for myself to go to Hollywood, to go to acting school. And my aunt and uncle lived in Northern California at the time. And I flew out – To the US, and then yeah, drove down to LA and spent six months living up, living the dream, and doing some stand-up comedy and some performance in uh, in Hollywood itself. And for me, uh, you know, when you look back retrospectively at your life, there's a whole bunch of stuff that kind of happened that's all part of the serendipitous journey. But for me, um, the, the performance stuff was the most important. Even today, I still use the analogies when I talk at marketing conferences about how stand-up comedy and marketing are cousins. So when you're marketing a brand, let's take a telco or an insurance company or a financial services brand, you're talking to an audience that's very diverse. There's mixed creeds, cultures, races, uh, etc. And in order to incorporate your communication and your and your ability to talk to such a diverse audience, especially in this melting pot of our South African audience, uh, it's important to develop a premise or an insight that people can nod their heads to and relate to. And, and that's where the best stand-up comedians in the world get you laughing. They say something that's generally truthful, and that makes you smile and like, yes, I can relate. Uh, and then they develop the funny and the act out off the back of that. And, and that's effectively what we what we create today. We create remarkable content that gets a variety of audiences excited and makes them feel emotionally connected to, to brands, uh, using the social media space as the, the hotbed for virality, as we call it. And uh, yeah, I worked in, in traditional marketing and PR for a couple of years, and then once won a fancy dress competition to go to London, as you do. Uh, my best friend and I, we went uh, to Lords to watch the Proteus play after winning the Castle Superfan in 2007. And for two years when I worked in London, social media was exploding, so Twitter was taking off. I would sit on the tube with my feature phone that could access Twitter and could see what people were tweeting about. And in the early days, a lot of celebrities or tech journalists or early adopters were were engaging with the the social media platform. And then I was writing a blog about my adventures out of London, and I was really interested and obsessed around the analytics, around who was coming and reading the stories, and why would they care, and who were these individuals if they, they weren't just friends and family that would be being forced to to read my content on Facebook. And while I was working in the UK, I started understanding the power of social media. And so many clients started asking, what is the social media thing? How can we incorporate it into our comms and our strategies? And then from there... Um, I just looked at the way in which Seacom was coming into South Africa. I knew that broadband was going to get cheaper. More and more South Africans were going to become connected and digital citizens via mobile and desktop. That uh, in 2010, before the World Cup, I came back and launched Retroviral as an agency that started off Working with bloggers and online influencers and disseminating content for brands to get people talking about brands, ultimately loving those brands and buying them. And uh, we managed to pick up some work with Nando's in the early days. We won some global awards. And we put a spotlight CC on ourselves. Glibly. <laughs> we, we we put a spotlight on ourselves in terms of this unique niche that we were playing in and fast forward now uh, eight years, we've managed to grow a business that focuses on four key pillars. So strategy, the most important thing you spoke about uh, earlier about the show and how you're introing the whole piece was that so many people just say, oh, we'll put stuff online and then we'll get customers and bada boom, bada bing, we'll, we'll get results. But for me, you have to understand the headspace and the psyche of the consumer that you're engaging with and that's where the strategy is the most important. What is the headspace and And how can you talk to those people? Only then, once you've figured out that strategy, can you then start molding the content that you need to create. What does it look like? Is it a white paper, for example, if you're a B2B brand? Is it a piece of unique video content if you're a very consumer-led brand? What is the tactic that you're going to use to communicate with people? And what is that? How is that story packaged appropriately? And then taking that story is only the first part of the journey. You have to then disseminate it. So how can you use paid means, so the Facebook ads that you run, the YouTube pre-rolls that you see before a video, um, the Google words that you spoke about that don't necessarily have the best results for all brands. And, and how do you get that message out there with PR, with talkability, with radio interviews, for example, and ultimately how do you report on that? And how do you look back to say, our strategy was sound because we drove clicks, we drove engagement, and we drove conversions, or we drove foot traffic through our doors. And I think that's the thing that makes us different, is that we really care about our clients' business we look at ways that we can support your business objectives and we can say, how can we get this right? And we've continued to do this time and time again. And I can confidently say that we are the agency that has made the most brands go viral globally than any other agency in Africa. And we've done this time and time again. So we prove that lightning doesn't just strike once. That virality can be a science and it can be a measure of eyeballs that leads to sales. And that's my definition of virality.
0: I do I'm not usually quiet on my own show, but you. you, every time I was going to interrupt you to say something, you went on to the next thing, which was the point that I was going to raise. And in a nutshell, if I can just conceptualize it in my mind, over the years, I've interviewed many people across this table on the same subject. People begging to come in, and I've then approached them after the show to say, okay – let me give you an idea of a business. How would it work? And we're very quick to sit down and have a cup of coffee, and the cappuccinos are flowing. Mm, love and those cappuccinos. there we go, and I'm just thinking, like, okay, the bull's racking up, and it's going to end up in my wallet, but that's fine. And But where are we going? Okay, guys, like the, the fuzzy stuff is all over now. Where are we going? And they pull out the trump card. Maybe I shouldn't use that word, <laughs> but they pull out the card, and it is Facebook, Twitter, data. I said, and now what? No, no, take content, put it on. I said, well, I work for a listed company. There's plenty of content. I can just take and put it on, and long as we show where it's coming from, and then what? And then this, and this will happen. So I tried it, and I hired a very astute, very withered young lady who put her heart and soul into it. And a year later, nothing happened. We've got clicks. We've got Cs. we We've got this. But there was no traction. The whole focus of your company is all about the traction. That's quite right. Because you're getting into the minds of the people that you want to approach and understanding what their needs are. And if you're giving them what they want, not what you think they want.
1: Totally. And I think that too many people are... Happy to be yes people and say, yes, we can solve the world's problems because social is the holy grail and that can, that can fix all your needs. And for me, you know, fortunately, I've built my reputation around the fact that I don't say yes to people and I'll sit with them and I'm happy to have a coffee. And I'll say to you, guys, listen, we're not right for you right now. We're not the right agency to work with. You need to do X, Y and Z on your own accord with your own resources before you spend too much money. In a space where we are playing and, and I think that fortunately the advice over the years is we haven't just taken business for business sake like we've really been quite methodical in terms of who we speak about and how we engage with because I want your business to succeed because ultimately then your budgets are going to grow you're going to come back to me and we're going to do repeat business and that for me is the most important thing. On that note we need to
0: take a quick break let's run to the shops we'll be back with you in a moment. Avi on money. 12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9 FM. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It is exactly twenty minutes past twelve, and in studio with me is Mark Sharman from the company of what company is called?
1: Retroviral. retroviral. Retroactive.
0: retroactive. There we go. We've just spoken about retroviral. Um Mark, may let's just spend just a few more minutes. If there are people listening out there now who've got a company they may be not that young. They're in their mid thirties, forties, fifties. Companies are doing well. They've tried to get into the digital space. They've sort of paid lip service to it, but they need help. Um, one thing I know and it is, is that stuff out there is, um, business out there is tough. Things are slow. Cash is short and people are looking to cut corners. So the greater reach you can have, the better. What are the advantages of going digital?
1: So I think the important thing is to, for listeners to take a step back. And I think if there is anyone out there that wants to send in a tweet or a WhatsApp or however they engage with you or send a, a phone call in, you know, happy to answer a question or use a rough example of a real life scenario. But I think that what's, what's interesting is, you know, if I look at my own business and where I started, for me, I started with no network and no opportunities, no customers no clients and i think that every small business goes through the same challenges like how do i get customers how do i engage i have a cool idea but but what do i do with that and for me the most important thing is always leveraging your first and foremost network which is your friends and when you think about what is the friends network that's Facebook, right? So before you've done anything, it's important to put it out there what your idea is and what you're planning on doing. As South Africans, sometimes we're quite scared of of telling the world what we're doing because you think, oh, that my idea is a unique snowflake and if I put it out there, someone else is going to take it and it's going to melt. And I think that that's not the case. Like You should tell people what you're doing. People are generally quite excited when you you take the leap off the hamster wheel and you start your own thing. And that's exactly how I started. I put out some posts i sent out some emails sent out some text messages at the time and i said to my mates "Listen, this is what i'm starting and i'd love to come and chat to you about it and at the time it was it was very niche i'm working with online influencers and bloggers to amplify content for brands so my target market at the time was people working in agencies people working within brands and slowly more and more people started hearing about what i was doing through my immediate personal network of people who knew about me and from there Every time I won a new piece of business, I'd create a mini case study around what we achieved. So showcase what you've done. Results-driven information is always important for that potential future new piece of business. And then from there, picked up a piece of Nando's business, and then that gave us some credibility. Then picked up some work where we were able to be on retainer for some social media management and looking after pages for some brands. So for me, it's always about leveraging that first-person network because the most important person that you can impact and that you can actually have an impact on their on their views is through one-to-one communication. And that's where a lot of your early stage success will occur. Once those wins start happening, for me momentum is a very important part of startup life and entrepreneurship. Wins lead to more wins. It increases your confidence. It helps you get going. And even if it's a small retainer, it's a small project piece of business, that gives you runway to the next paycheck, to the next piece of work, to the next I'm going to give up and go back to the corporate world, for example. And for me, I just kept taking one step at a time in order to do that simultaneously while putting out content on social. I didn't have the hugest amount of followers at the time. In 2010, when we started, I had less than a thousand followers on Twitter. Today I have about 17,000 and that's all just been from building through talking at events, coming onto interviews such as this, talking at marketing events. And when you have the opportunity to say something different, I know that everyone's not a public speaker and I know that it's it's very frightening for a lot of people to put themselves out there. But in the entrepreneurial space where you have to hustle and you have to have the grit, you have to roll up your sleeves and you have to you have to humble yourself in ways that you may not have necessarily done in a previous life, whether it been in corporate or studying, etc.
0: One thing you mentioned in the, in before we went to the break was that you need to get into the minds of the consumer. You need to understand what the consumer wants. Just expand on that a little bit more because I think that applies to all businesses across the road, the, across the board. No matter
1: what you're selling, you need to understand what your consumer wants. Exactly. So the best thing about the internet is that it gives us access to so much free resource in terms of research. So nowadays you have the ability to put in a Google search and you have the ability to find out so many different things around the demographics, the psychographics, the spend. I mean, you can be an insurance brand and you could pick up your keyboard, and you can start typing stuff around like middle to upper income earners in South Africa, how those demographics are broken out, and you can really start finding research papers and information that you don't necessarily have to pay for, and that's the beautiful thing about the internet. It gives us free knowledge. It gives us free intelligence, and off the back of that, you can start developing a profile of the type of people that you want to engage with and who suit your business, and then, yes, it is a little bit of a learning curve, but everything that you can learn from your business sits on the internet. If you're wanting to run a Facebook ad for the first time, if you're wanting to run a YouTube pre-roll, the information exists online for you to be able to do anything by means of a tutorial or a white paper or whatever that may be. And for me, my suggestion when you're starting something and you don't have a marketing budget and you don't have spend, try everything you can by yourself or with a person within your organization who is passionate about that sphere and let them experiment 100 bucks 500 bucks a thousand Rand stuff that isn't going to make your company bleed like you mentioned earlier and stuff that you can actually willingly say listen I tried a few hundred Rand spend and I and I got why results and I think those are the kinds of things those those small wins will then start building and building off the momentum and for me understanding the consumer or target market headspace is the start of this journey no matter where you're going.
0: And you're saying that one can get that information freely and quite easily so long as you know how to access the Internet intelligently.
1: Totally. And, and today's a perfect example. One of the trends on, on social media today is SML, Social Media Landscape. So it's a talk that is conducted annually. Arthur Goldstock does the research. And there's a whole bunch of free information that's being posted as we speak just around the amount of people on Facebook now. Today it's reached 21 million South Africans on Facebook, 18 million via mobile so there you go you've got a huge audience accessing this platform on the mobile platform instagram's grown to about uh, seven and a half eight million south africans so there you know once again it's a very disparate audience but it's a more um, affluent audience that has smartphones and and access to data for example so even in those two pieces of content those are the things that are happening constantly in our ecosystem and in our digital sphere so very important for you to open your mind to what it is that you're trying to solve because the Internet is it's a huge place. So you have to be quite specific in terms of the information that you're looking for. But the research and the opportunities and the strategic intent exists so that you can go out and find that information and ultimately build your audience, build the targeting, build the type of content that you need to create in order to get people excited about long, short-term insurance, for example. Uh,
0: What Greg on the SMS line wants to know is, in a nutshell, is can somebody else run your social media for you. In other words, can you sit with a, an agency with a person like yourself and say, "Let's see what I'd like to achieve. Look at what they come back and go with it. You know, run with it." In other words, can you outsource it?
1: Totally. And I think that we do that for you know we do that for a lot of clients, Greg. And uh, you know what's interesting is that for me. Greg, you'll always know your business better than any other agency or any outsourced person but the way in which your business evolves, when you get to a stage where you have a business budget or a marketing budget for social media, our team works in a way that we try and invest ourselves in being part of your team, feeling like your employees, feeling like we're part of your culture and we interrogate what we need to post about and what upcoming events are relevant and then what we do is we develop a content plan for the month ahead and then we say this is the type of content we want to post, we show mockups before we go into design and then we get all of that stuff signed off so that you know for the month ahead we're focusing on these elements and these are elements that talk to your business object- objectives, support events that are coming up that are relevant to your business and basically build the communication around the construct of what's necessary for your business.
0: The bottom line is that it's, you can outsource it, and not only can you outsource it, that's a very efficient way of doing it, so long as the person that you're outsourcing it to has an understanding or takes the time to understand yes. what are the goals quantifiable. Can a greengrocer say to you, I want to increase my cell of apples from 100 kilos to a 1,000 kilos within the next month?
1: So for me, objectives always need to be quantifiable. You need to have a, a, an output and you need to have a timing-based objective. Um, in a lot of instances where we are working with digital-led brands, we are able to see the content that we've created, the clicks, through to their pages or social or website or whatever that may be. And then we're able to ascertain what sales have directly occurred off the back of our activities. Uh, Alternatively, with more traditional bricks and mortar businesses where foot traffic is a key metric, we get to see how did one campaign, how did that data overlay with your sales data? And did our campaigns that we were driving digitally have an impact on your business in real world level?
0: The bottom line is that it's, it's a fully integrated model all the way from the conception of the idea to the marketing strategic th- plan to understanding the client that we're reaching to actually be able to come back and say, yes, we can. We, we, we increase
1: sales from X to Y. So it's all there. Well, it, it, it has to be. It has to be a support of your business objectives. And when a brand – has budget where it has multiple touch points and it is above the line, below the line, online, through the line, all that fancy jargon. You know, a lot of times you can't always directly attribute a sale or a success to a piece of communication. They say that it takes several engagements with the brand at TV billboard online in order for you to actually make an impact in order for you to drive a sale or to drive a conversion uh, in our instance you know we don't always work with above the line or outdoor budgets so we are always measured on a growth from an emotional connect perspective, in an audience perspective, in a click through perspective a lot of our metrics are digital based and that's why it's important as the brand as the client for you to understand what success looks like for you, maybe you have an online form that people have to fill in to generate a lead, so sometimes a lead can be an objective and those are things that we look for that are quantifiable that we can hand on heart say got to the end of the month, we drove these 200 leads, 100 of the people put in the email addresses and these are the people, have you guys contacted them and converted them and, and that's as far a lot of the times as we can go. Like we can lead the lead to the water, but then your sales team needs to put us head in.
0: Right. You've now grown, you've developed and you've now got a, a partner that's a household name, a gentleman called Brian O'Banner. How, how did that come about? And what are
1: you doing with sports people? So fortunately it isn't one of these fly by night relationships. Uh, Brian and I've actually known each other since we were 14. We went to high school together. Okay. Uh, yeah. We, we were at King Edward VII school together.
0: So it's not, it's not about what you know. It's about who you know
1: sometimes. That's it. That's exactly what, uh, what my best friend's dad always says. Not about what you know. It's who you know. He's a Geordie. That's why he has an accent. And Brian and I, we were at school together. And then over the years, yeah, we've just cultivated a relationship. We've kept in touch. Um, I'm one of the biggest local supporters of sport when it comes to both Cricket and rugby, and uh, yeah, I've just kept in in touch with Brian over the years. We've done some campaigns with uh, with rugby in particular through the likes of Mastercard. Uh, I was at the 2011 Rugby World Cup final in New Zealand, documenting content and creating it with our other business partner Ben Karpinski. And Ben is a one of the foremost journalist-slash-fan ambassadors of sport in South Africa. He has a platform called thebounce.coza. He's followed The Bounce on social media. And the three of us like to think that we've created almost the avengers of a sports marketing agency, a digital marketing agency, in the sense that we've formed this alliance because of our passion for sport, our obsession with storytelling. And Brian obviously has the perspective of looking at sport from both a player's perspective at the ultimate level of the game, and then also working effectively with brands. And You know, not just selling your soul. A lot of, a lot of guys in the current setup, you'll see them, they'll post an Instagram picture of going to the spa with uh, their partner or a picture of fragrance they've received for free. I think that if you're a sporting brand, and especially when it comes to guys that are in the the, the absolute top level of sports, they need to also be more prudent in terms of how they relate and how they engage with brands and what brands can work with them so that there's like a symbiotic relationship with audiences. And that's where all of these things come together with the way in which Ben, Brian, and I have have started working. And we've been very fortunate because we've landed our first client, which is a very authentic piece of storytelling. And I think this is something you're going to be very excited about. So we've partnered with a brand called Biogen, which is supplements and nutrition and that kind of thing and they really have a vision to be an authentic healthy wellness brand and you know they're not about pumping a supplement down people's throats and fat burners and things like that they want you to actually live a a healthy lifestyle so what we've done is we've taken one of my best mates we've made him the guinea pig he weighed 130 kilograms less than a month ago and we pitched him as part of an idea to say we're gonna take my friend and sure he's let the work uh, life balance kind of slip so that work's taken the dominance but now we're going to get him off the couch he's never run five kilometers in his life and we're going to take him to durban in 2019 in june and we're going to get him over the finish line to the half iron man so his name is hobo and he's currently cycling starting to walk with a bit of running and swimming and he's partnered up with Lindsay Perry, who's the Comrades coach and the Triathlon South Africa coach and Lindsay's writing programs for him slowly taking him through the evolution from him not being very fit at all to getting him on the indoor trainer getting him on the bike and he and I are actually doing our first uh road race this weekend at Amashova, um, Hobbo and I were doing the 65Ks down in Durban. But hobo 's lost almost 10 kilograms in less than a month because he's listened to a WISE program, he's done things slowly and effectively, he started by walking four minutes, running one minute, you know, a very slow build. And, and it's, it's a very exciting thing because we might not succeed, but it's a storytelling that's authentic, people can follow the journey, there's uh, videos every two weeks, there's podcasts, there's live what do you content. We might not succeed. He might not get over the finish line because it's quite an audacious goal. If he gets there yes. and the coach says that he can do it and he doesn't get over the finish line, is it success? No, we're hugely disappointed because when it comes to a lot of this stuff, it's all about your head and it's about your headspace. And we've seen with so many situations in real life that physicality is only a temporary block to actual results. Most of the stuff lives in your head. And I think that I, I believe that Hobo can do it, but I think it's going to be the most incredible thing. I think I might t- cry tears of joy when we get over the line together in June
0: 2019. The, the reason, because there is a half man in January. You yes. know, yeah, yeah. They'll be ready for that.
1: So the thing was that um, we had looked at the timings and we looked at the options, but we wanted to give ourselves the best opportunity and spend the right time and not having to rush it. And I think that's the important thing. And to show real people out there that, Hobo 's a foil for your change and for your interests, so you might want to do your first ever park run that might be your Biogen journey, and we can help you get the inspiration through hobo 's story to do it. You can also share your journey using that hashtag and then from there, Coach Parry will be giving away programs to people that are Participating in the journey and following, so we're creating almost like a community of people who want to do stuff. And whether that stuff is getting off the couch for your first park run or doing a personal best and applying, um, you know, qualifying for the Olympics, like that's the kind of extremes of, of individual that we want to bring into this community.
0: I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated because you started talking about Biogen, next thing you're talking about Huber, and the whole conversation went to the side, but ultimately when you brought it back to Biogen. All of a sudden what hit me was that Biogen is the catalyst to this. Am I taking it? that A pain in my ankle, maybe I should talk to them. Hmm. So all of a sudden it got me thinking as a potential consumer, just listen to your story. How amazing it is, and 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 just what I'm excited about is that you're going for June or July and not January. Yes. Is that what you'll help him prevent is being injured? Exactly. Because there is nothing nothing worse than waiting for nature to take its time to heal a calf injury that takes two weeks, and there's nothing you can do. Yeah, and then you're falling off for training. It'll it'll heal with uh, um, a physio in two weeks and without physio, physio in fourteen days. So it's just going to happen either way. And if you can do that, then he'll just be stronger and stronger going forward. Exactly. Right. So let's get back on track. Brian and Banner, you know him personally. You brought him in together. You've got this biogen. So it's what is the connection between the ultimate sportsman or the – a, a sportsman who really took South Africa to uh, the next level, took rugby to the next level, took race relations in this country to the next level, took the love for the sport to the next con- the level. When people think of and Banner it's almost like Hashim Amla. They, they, they just, they're just great guys that, that there's not a negative word to be said about them. How did they translate that into and sense?
1: So I think the important thing is that we never just worked with Brian to bring him in to be a name, to be a face on a campaign, and for and us to, to roll him. out. Yeah, and to, to churn out Brian banner campaigns because there's stuff that he's working on in his personal capacity that he'll continue to do. But within the sports agency environment and sports marketing environment, Brian provides the foil for the real understanding of players at the top level. So there's this element of the business where he understands being the player and the complexities and the challenges of your actual sport commitments, but then how you have to coexist in a world with brands. And like you say, he's got a great reputation because he's worked well with brands. He's kept relationships with Adidas for his entire career, for example. You know, he still went out in the, in the boots in his hundredth test. The same that he was, that he was wearing at the start of his career. So it's, it's really important that he brings that authenticity and that, that way in which you work successfully with brands as an elite sportsman. And he also brings the thinking about how we can partner with different opportunities within that space. Like we want to help sports people, whether they're at the, the top level, the third or fourth levels, we want them to be better represented. We want them to be able to say, Hey, um, I'm a sportsman and I should be valued for both my personal image and my social media image and that's why part of our business has a platform where we represent sports players within that space.
0: And Mark, let's take a quick break. Um, there's still a lot to get through we'll be back with you in a moment
1: R B on
0: Money 12 to 1pm only on 101.9 Welcome to 101.9 Hi FM, if you've been with us I'm sure it's been absolutely fascinating. I know I've really, really enjoyed talking to Mark Sharman who is the founder of Radioactive Retroactive, sorry and now, um, you know, we are talking about taking business, the digital side of it, bringing it into sport. But let's come back to to your business, your your the way it runs on a daily basis. You do a lot of traveling from what I hear. You're out a lot. You, you're interacting a lot. But you obviously have a base that sits somewhere. How does your model work of your office?
1: So – when we started out we had to be a lot more lean and agile in terms of roles and responsibilities and that almost jack-of-all-trades mentality and as we've grown we've managed to mature the business into more specific structure and more specific roles and responsibilities. So in terms of the way that traditional advertising works you generally have client service, you have creative and then you have other people that execute and finance and all of those good things that make up a business. And because we aren't traditional advertising, um, we've built the model around something that works best for us around our personalities and around the people within the business and also the, the speed at which our clients operate. I mean, we have clients on, on WhatsApp. So when there's complaints on social, we can escalate a complaint and that can get resolved within a matter of minutes. And uh, it's something that surprises and delights their customers, which is, you know, part of our job. And for me, the, the current structure is that I kind of operate as like a new business lead new business development slash creative director role. And then um, I have a, a creative director that works very closely with me, and then she runs the division of creatives. And within that division of creatives, there are community managers who monitor Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and what's being said on those platforms, what's being posted, and how the media is spent to get those messages out there. We then have a team of designers who work with those community managers and how they help solve problems visually for those individuals that are monitoring complaint channels at times. And we also have client service people. We have finance people and we have a mixture of one or two others that are producer types and, and doers of, of the things and executors of, of the jobs that we need to get done. So it is a, it's a bit of a traditional hybrid mix in terms of how we roll that out. And as we continue to grow, um, for me, I never want to be the biggest agency. I just want to be the best and 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 for me, like quality is always the most important thing the the craft of what we do, how we put it out there and how we make it how a would difference. you quantify the best <laughs> the if biggest adverts the so biggest budget so for me, biggest comes down to biggest is size of staff complement, size of revenue that's coming through the agency um yeah, more the vanity metrics in terms of what shows the businesses, inverted commas, succeeding. Um, For me, best is around putting out content that makes an impact and gets people to almost neck and see, hey, what is this all about? Or question, what is the commercial about? For us, we obviously are playing in the space where social is a very topical thing. And when people make comments around how the marketing of a specific brand has resulted in them wanting to go and buy the product or service. Like That, for me, is a true indication that we've really tapped into the zeitgeist for that specific moment and for that specific market.
0: Going forward, um, this might sound like a ridiculous question. It's for someone in your space. Are we coming to the end of the digital marketing space, or have we just
1: really started on the journey? We've really just started on the journey, and it's because... I mean, only in the last couple of years we've really started figuring out metrics that make sense. We're starting to see the the numbers in traditional print are declining. Spend in digital continues to increase. More and more brands are starting to... Upweight the spend into the digital space as opposed to the traditional media space we've seen a whole bunch of disruption especially in the South African market now with you know with multi-choice and naspis' decision to pull that out as a separate listing potentially and then also from the way in which people like Netflix are coming to the market and that's disrupting if we're looking at the way that the introduction of Spotify to the space so it's not just video content and, and visual content it's audio content it's podcasting it's the evolution in which your broadcast now goes out and how you leverage those different platforms. So for me, we don't necessarily control the Internet. The Internet controls us, but ultimately humans are the defining factor that make the technology work. Technology doesn't make the people work. The technology is just the catalyst or it's just the the connector between different execution points. So there's always going to be new platforms. There's always going to be new tools. There's always going to be the rise and fall of some new giant in the social space. But ultimately it's the, the people and the way in which we engage, which is supposed to help enable easier connections in our lives, which is why we use the internet.
0: You know, just to give an example, I, I met a guy who came over to me and happened to know my son. And I said, Oh, and I was, you know, I was looking and so I wanted to show him a picture and he said, Oh, I've saw you seeing that. I said, look, where did you see it? He said, it's on Instagram. And I just like nodded, say, yeah, a hundred percent. Of course it is. Yeah, a hundred percent. I went back to my daughter. I said, Why did he put this picture on Instagram? And she looked at me like, why not? Yeah. Like, what is that? Like, crawl crawl out of the, crawl out of the hole and like, just get with the program. And and really what it got me thinking is that even though I think I'm very much involved, that speed at which young, the younger generation is, it's just, the evolution is happening has actually left me in the dust. And that's why I asked you a question earlier. Is it possible to leverage off an expert without becoming an expert? And, and I think the answer to that is obviously one can. And that's what it's really all about. It's about choosing symbiotic relationships that are good for both parties without you becoming the expert. I don't go to a surgeon because I'm a surgeon. I go to the surgeon because he or she is the surgeon. And that's where I get the expert um, knowledge from.
1: Yes, exactly. And, and that's also touches to the tactic of influencer marketing. You know, influencer marketing has been a buzzword now for the year, year and a half, but People are debating the success and weakness of that. But ultimately, you're wanting to tap into an audience somehow as a brand. So in some instances, an influencer, that influencer represents what your brand stands for, the ethics, the ethos, the kudos, all those kinds of things. And if you can plug into an influencer or or form a symbiotic relationship with that, with that individual, sometimes it's money related, sometimes it's clothing or footwear based on what your product or service is, and working with that person to really form a strong relationship, that can do wonders for building affinity with their audience that ultimately mirrors what your audience is and bring those two things together. Because that's what, that's what business is all about. Business for me is all about network. Network is the strongest form. It's the nodes. It's the connectivity. It's that chain of, of interactivity that ultimately grows you as a brand and ultimately grows your business from a financial point of view. How do, we, how do people get hold of you quickly and efficiently? <laughs> at Mike Sharman on social media. I'm pretty much Mike Sharman everywhere.
0: Okay. And
1: um, yeah, Mike at retroviral.coza is my email address. And but
0: that's just the way to do it?
1: Yeah. And I'm also very easily Googleable. If you search Mike Sharman, there's a whole bunch of aspects of where you can find me and all my stuff is online.
0: Best before I let you go, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but sure. give us, give us one campaign that you've run that you're particularly proud of or that had an exciting outcome or an unexpected outcome where, you know, you can tell to people, it starts here, it ends up in a different place, but yet it's still positive.
1: Cool. I'll, I'll give you two quick ones. How much time do we have? Thirty seconds? A minute? Yeah, I'll stretch it to four minutes. Okay, perfect. So I'll give you two examples. So for one, for me, that I'm still the one that I'm the most proud of over the last couple of years because we pitched against very big agencies, very traditional agencies, and we we won a pitch where we were the small guys and we were the underdogs, and we pitched an idea in terms of creating election burgers for rockamamas. And we took the brand during the U.S. election. We created the Donald, the Hillbill, and the Joker. It was relevant to the business. It worked to the edginess and the, the quirkiness of the brand. And it created global talkability. That campaign made it onto the front page of Reddit, which is read by more than 200 million people globally. And that, for me, was like a, a huge moment, a great moment of success. And uh, it was something that really put us on the map to show that we can do the work that the traditional big guys We're telling everyone that only they could do. And we came and we disrupted and we worked with a disruptive brand and a challenger brand because there was that symbiosis and because of that integration. And then another one that I'm really proud of was from about three years ago now where we beat out some stiff competition across Europe and parts of the UK and we had to do an experiential guerrilla campaign for a German savings brand called Raisin. So Raisin was started by a couple of McKinsey smarty people and what they did was they had a platform where – you'd log on, and then based on where your IP address said you were from, so you come in from Spain, it would suggest banks from Portugal that had better interest rates than what Spain Spanish banks would offer you. And from there, they were attracting English-speaking Europeans from across the continent. And then we had to come up with an idea that would get people talking about finance and savings. So what we did was we took a, t- a crew of South Africans, we went into London because this was before Brexit, and we were going to do it in in South Bank, and we created a structure where... Kids down in Cape Town, there's a school where a Japanese woman teaches underprivileged children to fold origami and she rewards them with pocket money based on NGO funding. And these kids learn about finance through pocket money, savings and folding origami. So these kids fold a thousand cranes for us because thousand cranes represent wealth and success in Japan when you're getting married. And we went and built the structure where built this huge structure of a 1,000 origami cranes in South Bank. And as people walked past, we interviewed the English-speaking Europeans and asked them, what are you saving for, sir? And you'd say, I'm saving for a home, a retirement home. And then we'd fold a retirement home out of out of a euro note. And we had a South African Instagram artist. He went to school with me. He has 120,000 followers on Instagram. And he folded things for people that represented their savings dreams. And he added it to the sculpture. And throughout the day, we built the sculpture, filmed it, shot it, Seeded it, got European influencers speaking about it, and these guys had a noticeable difference on their business. And that for me was like, just, it was an incredible moment because we made savings tangible, we made finance exciting, and we made a real consumer story that became an ad of the week here in South Africa's Mark Lives on some of the other platforms and got people speaking in New York design communities about how rad this idea was, this idea that has sparked at the southern tip of Africa using Japanese people, cranes, and excitement.
0: Mark, I'm excited um, Thank you for coming in Thank you for sharing um, I, I don't know how, how you view this But I just view that you're a busy guy You've come, you've given of your time You shared absolutely freely of your experience And if there's just one or two people out there Who've either picked up a tip or two Or been in touch with you And they can take their business up a notch And earn more money And support their families better And give more charity And, and support the community Then we've very really achieved what we meant to do over here so Totally all the best to you. Thank you for coming in. Thank and you. I think you and I also a living example that when things start a bit wobbly, doesn't mean they have to continue that way. Um, we started off the show, we actually hadn't prepped it properly, and yet we just got into it and we really made it work. So thank you for working with me over there. Thank you. Everybody, thank you for listening. Thanks for being with us, and we will chat to you next week. Have a great weekend.